So I think the first time that I realized I needed to like tangibly do something about it, uh, which is the movement that we called American Contingency outside of my own business, was when uh, law enforcement officers in Seattle stopped responding to certain calls. And that happened. And then they set up this Capitol Hill movement, which became a nightmare. And they basically allowed for uh, you know, disorderly conduct, even criminal activity. That was the first time that we went, okay, we need to do something about it. I was just in Portland, Oregon about four weeks ago. Four weekends ago, uh, the Portland Authority uh, didn't respond to 60 calls in a weekend, including larceny, burglary, even reports of rape. That, and that's mind-boggling. Like, to think that you could be a law-abiding citizen who pays taxes and that there's a, you know, a political divisiveness that takes place where it could literally translate to you not being protected in your own community is disturbing. week here on the Rubin Report and I'm doing a bunch of mini interviews with creators who have decided to become less reliant on big tech and instead own their content, community, and livelihood with Locals.com. And joining me today is the founder of Fieldcraft Survival and American Contingency, Mike Glover. Welcome to the Rubin Report. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Mike, I don't know if anyone else on Locals has blown this thing up the way that you have. You have an absolutely huge community on there. Uh, and I think when we explain to people what it is you do on there, they'll understand why you're on Locals. So what is the American Contingency Locals group all about? So I, I saw an inherent need for bringing people together without the levels of suppression that are taking place across social media. So. I, I do own a company called Fieldcraft Survival that specializes in preparedness. And when we started talking about preparedness in different venues, different settings, uh, in training and mindset, audible video, et cetera, we started realizing that even just talking about preparedness and self-defense was getting suppressed because it seemed like it was risque or it was too fringe, mm -hmm. which is surprising to me because I spent my entire life as a Green Beret in special operations. I love America, I love freedom, but I love passing information from lessons learned from overseas to civilians. And so when I started doing that, I started getting routinely suppressed by every major platform and realized we need to look, to look somewhere else. At the same time, uh, socially, uh, we were having problems with uh, discourse and you know the breakdown of law and order or politicians enforcing law and order. And so I realized... I needed to provide something that wasn't going to be suppressed. So I reached out to locals and locals became our home. So in essence, you guys are a community of preppers and you're, you're kind of guiding everybody on, on some of the tips and, and tricks of, of the trade. And it's kind of funny because you're right. When, when people think about preppers, the mainstream idea is, oh, somehow this is some sort of scary right wing something. And yet we've seen in what, seven months of lockdown, a lot of people became preppers pretty freaking quick. So you, you must be feeling kind of good about that. Yeah, things have obviously changed in our society based on the pandemic, based on um, the, the, the drama that's taking place. But we even before all this was taking place, we advocated for people to be self-reliant and not depend on the government or institutions outside of their control 
to come and rescue them. You know, our, our saying is you are your own first response. Well, now with a political divisiveness causing first responders to sometimes never respond made us realize that um, not only are your are you your own first response, but you might have to sustain your survivability over time. So American Contingency was that movement to train, to mentor, advise, and to provide a social network for people to come together. And, and to see it happen almost overnight and the engagement that we have was uh, inspiring to me because I realized that maybe we were identifying a problem that the rest or a lot of Americans are seeing today. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm, I'm a member of the community. When I've jumped in there just to see what the conversation's like, it's like there's no hate there's no, there's no anger. There's, these are good people who are just trying to figure out how to not be so reliant on the systems that, as you, as you kind of said there, the systems that seemingly are failing. You know, if you're calling cops and they're not showing up or whatever it might be, well, then maybe you do have to take some of this into your own hands. When, when did you get interested in all of this? So I think the first time that I realized I needed to like tangibly do something about it, uh, which is the movement that we called American Contingency outside of my own business, was when uh, law enforcement officers in Seattle stopped responding to certain calls. And that happened, and then they set up this Capitol Hill movement, which became a nightmare, and they basically allowed for uh, you know, disorderly conduct, even criminal activity. That was the first time that we went, okay, we need to do something about it. I was just in Portland, Oregon about four weeks ago. Four weekends ago, uh, the Portland Authority uh, didn't respond to 60 calls in a weekend, including larceny, burglary, even reports of rape. That, and that's mind boggling. Like to think that you could be a law abiding citizen who pays taxes and that there's a, you know, a political divisiveness that takes place where it could literally translate to you not being protected in your own community is disturbing. So that that's what led us down that path. And, and so far, it's been a positive experience because. We, you know, we don't tolerate fringe actors who want to um, have their own agendas. What we want is a positive society, uh, a positive community, and we don't have – we're not going to tolerate the negative, toxic – uh, divisiveness that's common today in our, our society. Yeah, and on Locals, it's your community and you can do whatever you want with it. What kind of uh, censorship stuff were you dealing with on Facebook and some of the other platforms? You kind of alluded to that a moment ago. Yeah, the, the biggest thing is in the in the algorithm or the, the, the system that is Facebook and Instagram, which we had a lot of our platforms, even my, social, my own personal social media influence on, uh, one of the things that is, is a metric or a measure for understanding if you're suppressed is the inability for people to organically search you in the search queue uh, via your name, which is which is common, right? Like if you look up right now, and I just did this three days ago, if you look up Antifa, the word Antifa, you will get all the organizations, including the main pages of Antifa that aren't suppressed that populate in the queue. If you look up Mike Glover, you will even get the people who are pretending to be yep. me in the search queue, but you will not get me. And that goes for a lot of my friends who are veterans of special operations, who are conservatives, and who aren't fringe anybody that are just advocating for the same things we're advocating for. And, and those things are apparent 
uh, in numbers and analytics and even simple things like search queue. Yeah, it's incredible what they do. I mean, I, I got my own version of that. You know, if you search me, it's like 10 terrible articles coming up first, all filled with lies. Or, you know, they'll do, you probably have one of these too when you do people also search for. And it used to have me associated with all these people I had never heard of who were these real fringe actors. Eventually, I was able to complain enough that I got some of that stuff fixed. But, but in essence, you moved over to locals and you can now do whatever you want with your community. And, and it seems to me that the American contingency group, that you guys have a double reason to be there because it's not just that you're preparing for the worst in, in re the real world, uh, but you're preparing for the worst in the digital world too. So it has like a, a two-pronged piece to it. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does. What I've realized over time in, in this short period of time that we've been on locals is that there's a significant education process that's, that needs to take place in not only advocating for platforms like locals, but getting people to try to migrate as a contingency. Like, I get it. Like, if a lot of your attention span is spent on a platform like Instagram, that's going to happen because a lot of people are on it. But if you set in place where you know that you can go suppression-free onto that platform, that's a benef uh, benefit of having this lined out that way with the overall uh, goal of transferring platforms and people just staying on locals. Like I already know my platform eventually will be shut down. I mean, it's going to happen. And when that happens, we'll do a full migration. But what I do is I dabble or I put out um, the, the snippets of information via there. And then I, I hub my content because I know it's protected. I know it's secure. And I know it's not going to be moderated or suppressed by people who I don't know or who don't agree with my message. And that's significant for me as an influencer, as a business owner, and as somebody who wants to create a positive movement. Because yeah. now I can operate securely. I mean, I'm thrilled to hear it, man, because that's exactly why we created this thing. It's like, it's, it's tools for you to do whatever you want. Can you talk a little bit about the business first? Because American Contingency is, is the community part of this, but you had a, you had and have a, a pretty successful business before this. That's, that sort of spurred this all on. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm open about this, but I was a special operations guy for nearly my entire life since I was 17 years old. Um, I, I went to war nine times. I decided to become a CIA contractor, uh, known as a global response staff officer. I served overseas, did five or six additional more rotations in austere environments and realized uh, if I wanted to have control of my life, I, I couldn't work for the government. I needed to do something different. And uh, in Pakistan, on my last rotation, I decided to start Philcraft Survival. I also realized that there's a lot of things that I learned in special operations in process, in mindset, in rehearsal, in planning, and equipment that didn't have to do with specialized tactics, but just simple processes that civilians would benefit when looking at their life, not, in, not only in preparedness, but just all facets of their life. Even in business, I mean, I, I use simple, like the five paragraph operations order that I learned as an 18 year old ranger school student, I apply to business because it's a good way to process information and to uh, uh, disseminate that information in business. So Philcraft Survival, I've had for about four years now, um, and we offer training, we have podcasts, we have free valuable information in the realm of preparedness trying to kind of get rid of the stereotypes uh, associated with the prepper and letting people know it doesn't matter what political affiliation or side of the aisle you're on. What's, what's uh, unique about catastrophe, it's, a, it's an equal opportunist. It doesn't care what color, ethnicity, or where you mm -hmm. come from. 
it, it's going to destroy your life all the same. So if you're prepared, um, you'll be better set up for success instead of failure. So that's what we do. I'm, I'm doing it right now in Montana. Uh, I have 20 plus employees. We subcontract and contract all over the United States, teaching civilians, military and law enforcement how to be better prepared. Yeah. Can you tell people just like a couple of the little tips for the people that are just sort of wading into these waters because of lockdown, as we said, because of seeing violence, things like that. It's interesting because I never considered myself a prepper. We do have some emergency kits and stuff like that, but I always liked having like a lot of canned goods in the basement or in the pantry, like just, you know, extra water, paper towels, that kind of stuff. I never thought of it as prepper really, but it was always like, yeah, if all hell broke loose for a couple days, I'm in the politics world. It's like, you can't not think of that. Um, but I think a lot of people are just for the first time ever going, oh, you mean I gotta not take out from a restaurant every night? You got, I gotta have some food here? I gotta have some water here? What are, what are like some of the 101 type things that you recommend to people when they're just learning about this? Yeah, I think when I look at preparedness, I look at statistical probability. So I, I don't want to paint a picture like a doomsday scenario. But when you, you know, when I was asked two two years ago on a podcast with a, a buddy of mine, Mike Pfeiffer, he asked me, "What is the worst case scenario?" And I said, "Simply, the worst case scenario is a large scale pandemic with social disruption, chaos, or discourse." And that's exactly what we're facing right now. And and it's because. Uh, right now, when you take and stack social economic issues on top of each other, it it destroys the fabric or structure, or in our case, security that we feel. So, w- what people could understand first and foremost is that your mindset, or your your level of resilience in your mindset, is the most important thing you could focus on, because you know disastrous catastrophe come at you in different spurts of time and space, and if it hits you in the face like a baseball bat, and sometimes maybe that's literally then that's a compressed timeline. Mm-hmm, but if you mm-hmm. have something like a pandemic, it's a long duration timeline. Well, ultimately, if you understand how you respond to stress, because that's what you're reacting to, then you have a good idea how you're going to manage the process of a disaster or catastrophe. So it starts with mindset. So ha- being healthy, um, making your family healthy, getting sleep, taking care of your immunity, um, eating healthy uh, and getting exercise are basic start points that people would never consider in a preparedness or a prepper movement, but that's the start point because mm-hmm. when you're healthy physically and mentally, then you're able to make good cognitive decisions to set yourself up for success. Just a tangible takeaway for, for your listeners, um, uh, tourniquets are one of the most important pieces of equipment that are neglected. You could die from a femoral or brachial bleed, which is a large arterial bleed, in a matter of minutes. I've seen it on the battlefield. I've even seen it in America uh, happen in vehicle accidents. 30,000 people a year in America die from car accidents. And it's one simple $29.99 thing that you could buy online, get trained, put it in your car, put it in your wife's purse, put it in your pocket, uh, and carry it with you. Because if you learn to have that life-saving piece of equipment, it could save your life. And it's and it only improves the overall life that you do have because people think that people who are pre- prepared are paranoid. It's the complete opposite. When yeah. you're prepared, you're not anxious, you're not paranoid, you're confident in living your life. Yeah, I love that. And it's just it's just so obvious after the last couple months that people who thought about some of this stuff seriously, from taking care of yourself physically and mentally to having some supplies and everything else, they're, they're in a much better spot than the people that thought that the systems were always gonna exist. Um, well, listen, I, I was, I was gonna tell you to pimp out the American contingency community, but I think you've done a hell of a job 
doing it, but, but where can people go to, to join your locals community? So the best link for us is AmericanContingency.Locals.com, and that's a great start point. Um, I also have a personal YouTube. I'm doing this show called Living Your Prep Life, which is a spinoff of Living Your Best Life. Yeah, but I yeah. think the best life is a prep life. Uh, you can go to YouTube and find me under my personal, which is just simply Mike Glover, which so far there's no suppression on that channel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Mike, I, I know my audience is going to love this. So I, I want to have you on for a proper hour-long sit-down. So we'll do that over the next month or two, maybe right after the election. Once we see what level of freak-out everybody's in, I, I might need some personal advice myself. I would love that. It would be an honor. All right, thanks, man. Well, I really appreciate it. And truly, for, for you guys that haven't checked out the community, it, it's just unbelievable what you're doing on there. And uh, it's AmericanContingency.Locals.com. If you're looking for more honest and thoughtful conversations about lifestyles, instead of nonstop yelling, check out our lifestyle playlist. And if you wanna watch full interviews on a variety of topics, check out our full episode playlist. They're both right over here. And to get notified of all future videos, be sure to subscribe and click the notification bell.